Hi, everyone. Welcome to this reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald. This is the Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023 edition. It's brought to you here on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. My name is Andrew Hauf. I'm filling in. We'll take a look at the forecast before we get into the headline stories here. And uh, you can expect for today, this Tuesday, a hazardous weather outlook for portions of north-central Illinois, northwest Illinois, west-central Illinois, east-central Iowa, northeast Iowa, southeast Iowa, and the northeast part of Missouri, if you're going to be in any of those areas. Isolated thunderstorm will be possible today, with strong storms capable of producing small hail, brief heavy downpours, and lightning. Areas of fog will occur across the outlook area today, spreading from south to north as the day progresses. The fog will linger through mid-evening along high, the Highway 20 corridor into northwest Illinois, including the Freeport and Mount Carroll areas. The fog will be dense at times, reducing visibility down to a quarter mile or less. Dense fog advisories will be in effect for portions of the area through this evening as the fog bank moves from south to north. Parts of the lower rock river are experiencing minor flooding due to possible ice jams and recent rainfall. So for tomorrow and Thursday, light snow can be expected Wednesday through Thursday morning, mainly north of Interstate 80. At this time, only light accumulations appear possible, and any accumulation would be mainly at night. So that's a little bit of a weather outlook there. Looking at your forecast for the east-northeast Iowa area, expect for today the high 43 degrees, a 40% chance of rain and patchy fog. For tonight, expect a slight chance of rain and patchy fog, then cloudy conditions, the low 32 degrees. For tomorrow, Wednesday, expect a 40% chance of snow, the high 34. Wednesday night, expect a 40% chance of snow, the low 29. And for your Thursday, expect mostly cloudy conditions, a high 36 degrees, not too bad. Thursday night, mostly cloudy, low 26. Friday, partly sunny, yes, partly sunny, the high 34 degrees. Above freezing, that's pretty good for this time in January. Moving into the headlines now of this reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald, DNR renews push for bobcat hunting. Officials plan another try at bobcat management education in Dubuque County following the previous outcry. Other, other headlines include big, uh, biggest local stories of 2022, tend to remember. We'll be talking about that. And new owners for Dubuque Bar. Chiropractic office opens Bellevue Inn owner to open chocolate shop and bakery. But we'll start it off now with DNR Renews push for bobcat hunting in this Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023 edition of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald reading. Andrew, Andrew Hop here filling in. This story is by Benjamin Fisher. To start us off, state officials will hold a meeting this month in Dubuque County to discuss the recovery of bobcats in Iowa and to once again broach the idea of allowing the hunting of the animals in the county. The Iowa Department of Natural Resources staff will host a public information session at E.B. Lyons Interpretive Center at Mines of Spain State Recreation Area at 7 p.m. Wednesday, January 18th. A press release states that staff will discuss bobcat management at the state level and how counties fit within that model. They also share local field reports and a landowner survey from Dubuque County. In 2021, the DNR removed Dubuque County from a list of counties in which a bobcat hunting season was to be added after receiving 20 letters opposing the season from county residents and other feedback. 
Delaware and Jones counties were added at that time, and bobcat hunting already was allowed in Jackson County. Bobcats are native to Iowa, but they were mostly wiped out by human settlement and loss of woodsy habitat in the early 1900s. They were protected as an endangered species in the state by 1977. But officials saw the cats return in the 1990s and their populations continue to climb. The story of the bobcat in Iowa in the Midwest has become a wildlife success story in that they have come back naturally on their own time, said DNR furbearer and wetland biologist Vince Evelsizer. Since the proposal to include Dubuque County came up in 2021, the bobcat has continued to flourish, even in neighboring counties where hunting seasons had been introduced, according to Evelsizer. In the past few years, there has been significant population expansion and growth in eastern Iowa, with more bobcats showing up, he said. In terms of Dubuque County, there is a harvest, a one bobcat bag limit in all surrounding counties. The neat thing is we continue to see the population grow and expand. We feel like the population is quite good and can support a harvest season. And he said bobcats have made this recovery more or less peacefully. Behavior-wise, they're typically secretive, nocturnal, or most active at dawn or dusk, Evelsizer says. We have not had human safety issues to date with bobcats in Iowa. The top end weight of a bobcat is 30 to 35 pounds, so they are not a big predator. Even with pets, bobcats have not proven to be a problem. Officials just recommend that pet owners keep small pets close if they know a bobcat lives nearby. The only problem to date have been when the bobcat population in an area grew too large, Evelsizer said. The density can get fairly high in places, he said. We've had it happen in southern Iowa. There were nuisance issues with poultry and cats. It is in those situations the DNR's harvest season have been plentiful for the sake of the species recovery. The last thing we want is for people to think we're trying to beat up on bobcats, Evelsizer said. It's the opposite. We care very much about wildlife. Our next story, 10 to remember, biggest local stories of 2022, this by the Telegraph Herald. From Major League Baseball's return to Dubuque County and major feature plans at the Field of Dreams to tensions in the county attorney's office, there was no shortage of major news stories in the tri-states in 2022. Here, the Telegraph Herald presents the top 10 stories with the biggest local impacts in 2022, as voted on by TH editorial staff. Number one, another MLB game and major developments planned at Field of Dreams. For the second time in as many years, the Field of Dreams garnered national attention when it hosted a Major League Baseball team. The Chicago Cubs topped the Cincinnati Reds 4-2 at a stadium just west of the movie site on August 11th. More than 3.1 million people watched the Fox Sports broadcast of the game. In April, officials with Go the Distance Baseball, which owns the Field of Dreams movie site, unveiled plans for an $80 million investment there. Construction kicked off in September on Project Heaven, which is slated to include nine new ball fields, team dormitories, a field house, and jogging trails at a recreational sports complex 70 acres north of the movie site, as well as 104-room boutique hotel, an RV park, and outdoor amphitheater. A $50 million permanent 3,000-seat stadium around the MLB field adjacent to the movie site also is in the works. Number two, Dubuque 
loses commercial air service, secures new carrier. American Airlines Dubuque Regional Airport's only commercial carrier announced in June that it would end service to Dubuque and three other cities due to a pilot shortage. The airline's twice-daily flights between Dubuque and Chicago's O'Hare International Airport ended September 7th. City and economic development officials pledged to prioritize restoring commercial air service to the city. In early October, city council members and Dubuque County supervisors agreed to each contribute up to $500,000 to provide a minimum revenue guarantee to an ultra-low-cost airline. In November, it was announced that Avello Airlines will offer direct flights between Dubuque and Orlando International Airport on Wednesdays and Saturdays starting January the 11th. Number three, tensions rise in Dubuque County Attorney's Office. Tensions simmered in the Dubuque County Attorney's Office throughout 2022. In February, Richard Kirkendall, then an assistant county attorney, announced he would run to unseat County Attorney C.J. May III in the upcoming election, starting the office, stating rather, the office leaked leadership and direction under May. The following month, Kirkendall was placed on administrative leave during an investigation into a harassment claim against him from victim witness coordinator Allie Newsom, which was later found to be unsubstantiated. In May, Newsom resigned and later submitted a $750,000 claim against the county over the harassment. After the investigation, Kirkendall was asked to sign a confidential last chance agreement and told that if he didn't sign, it would be considered a resignation. Kirkendall did not sign the letter, and Iowa Workforce Development later deemed Kirkendall's employment separation a firing. Days before a June primary election, the Dubuque County Assistant Attorney's Office Association and Dubuque County Lodge and of the Fraternal Order of Police announced votes of no confidence in May, who was defeated in the primary by Democrat Sam Wooden. In the November general election, Republican Attorney Scott Nelson bested both Wooden and Kirkendall, who ran as an independent candidate, to become the next county attorney. The day after the election, Kirkendall filed a petition in the Iowa District Court of Dubuque County listing both the county and May as defendants, claiming he was retaliated against for speaking out about May and running against him. Attorneys representing the county and May have denied all claims of retaliation. Number four, triple homicide at Makokata Caves Rocks Community. Three members of a Cedar Falls, Iowa family were killed in Makokata Caves State Park in July on July 22nd. Tyler and Sarah Schmidt, both 42, and their six-year-old daughter, Lula Schmidt, were killed in their tent in the campground while the couple's nine-year-old son survived the attack. Autopsy results released in August indicated the deaths by gunshots, stabbings, and strangulation. Authorities said the suspected killer, Anthony Sherwin, age 23, of La Vista, Nebraska, died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound in a wooded area of the park. Number five, fall election sees red wave in Dubuque County. Long a Democratic primary stronghold, Dubuque County will be represented by predominantly Republicans this year. Republicans were the top vote-getters in Dubuque County in six of eight statewide races and three county races. The County Board of Supervisors will feature two Republicans for the first time, with Sageville Mayor Wayne Kenneker taking a seat held by Democratic Supervisor Jay Wickham. Republican Scott Nelson and Mike Clayson also flipped the county attorney and county treasurer offices, respectively. 
Number six, Dubuque closes elementary school, plans to consolidate middle schools. In April, Dubuque Community School Board members voted to close Fulton Elementary School at the end of the school year, with district staff citing the school's falling enrollment amid concerns about lower-than-desired increases in state aid and the district's declining unspent balance. The majority of Fulton students transferred to Audubon, Eisenhower, or Prescott Elementary Schools. School board members also approved a goal to consolidate the district's middle schools from three to two by no later than the fall of 2026. At a November community meeting, a task force shared three options for expansions, renovations, and or the construction of an entirely different or entirely new facility, including both the current Washington Middle School building and the district's acquisition of the nearby 7.8-acre Dubuque Community YMCA slash YWCA site. Number seven, homicide cases take spotlight. Dubuque saw developments in several high-profile homicide cases this year. Police said on June 4th, Taiwan M. Jackson Jr., age 20, of Dubuque, was fatally shot on Central Avenue by K. Wani D. Evans, age 31, of Freeport, Illinois. Evans is charged in Iowa District Court of Dubuque County with first-degree murder, first-degree robbery, and possession of a firearm by a felon. He has pleaded not guilty. In October, Mark T. Fisher, age 61, of Dubuque, was sentenced to life in prison without parole after being found guilty of first-degree murder of Bernice M. Williamson, age 80, of Dubuque. Williamson was found dead on July 15, 2021, and autopsy results uh, concluded that she died of blunt force injuries to the head. And in December, Rommel D. Enoch, age 23, was arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the death of Kylie J. Duster, age 20, of Dubuque. Duster was found dead by police on July 28, 2021, in her bedroom closet after having not been seen in days. A white t-shirt was stuffed in her mouth and later tested positive for Enoch's DNA, according to court documents. Following an autopsy, Duster's manner of death was ruled as homicide by suffocation. Enoch has pleaded not guilty. Number eight, retaliation harassment investigated by in Dubuque Fire Department. Dubuque firefighter Jamie Boss sued the city of Dubuque and then Fire Chief Rick Steins in September 2020 for sexual harassment, discrimination, and retaliation. In February, a jury found that uh, she proved her claims of sexual harassment and discrimination and awarded her, her $575,000. In the wake of that decision, the Telegraph Herald examined 276 pages of testimony given by two high-ranking city officials during the trial and 58 exhibits submitted for it, in addition to its previous reporting on the opening and closing arguments and the lawsuit itself. They collectively show a fire department over the past decade in which a captain sexually harassed an intern and used his position to scare her, then was allowed to resign rather than being fired. The aforementioned intern was scared to report the harassment due to fears of retaliation, while Boss reported retaliation for her role in assisting the intern. Other reports of harassment do not appear to have been fully investigated. There was talk of not promoting women because they might be harassed by their superiors. There were concerns of discrimination and reward to promotions. Women did not have a dedicated space for breastfeeding as required by federal law. Some women's bathrooms did not have locks on their doors. One fire station had garnered nicknames because pornographic material was so prevalent in it. A light switch plate depicted a male flasher in which the switch was positioned to resemble genitalia. 
was up for an extended period of time and put back down even after it was taken down. A large segment of white men were worried about women or minorities receiving special treatment despite having very few women in the department and no minorities. Boss was told by at least one colleague that she only was hired because she was a woman. After the trial, city officials pledged to take a hard look at the fire department's culture. Steins retired in March, and the city council members in May approved hiring the community's first female fire chief, Amy Scheller. Number nine, Dubuque schools sell soccer complex. Dubuque community school board members voted this fall to sell Dubuque soccer complex for $1.8 million to Arizona-based Court One LLC. It proposes to build a more than 100,000 square foot facility over two of the complex's soccer fields featuring basketball courts, volleyball courts, a soccer field, a baseball and softball field, and batting cages. Dubuque Soccer Alliance, which submitted the only other bid for the site at $1,552,000, had leased the facility from the district since 1993. Many community members spoke in support of the alliance's bid during public hearing during a public hearing before the sale. Local soccer officials also initially condemned the sale to Court 1, but then, after discussions with company officials, supported Court 1's bid. In terms of the sale, approved in October, the terms allow for the district to continue using the complex's outdoor facilities for cross-country and other school events at no charge. Court 1 officials also plan to allow the Alliance to continue using the property for $1 per year under several conditions. And finally, number 10, workforce inflation issues plague tri-states. A nationwide labor shortage that began amid the COVID-19 pandemic continued to plague the area employers in 2022. Local unemployment rates remained low throughout the year. The total number of jobs in the Dubuque metro area reached its highest since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, but the labor force participation rate remained below pre-pandemic levels, with preliminary U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics figures from October placing Dubuque County's labor force more than 1,200 workers below February of 2020. The impacts of inflation also dominated headlines in 2022, from higher costs of materials to rising interest rates on homes. In November, prices had increased by more than 7% compared to November 2021, according to U.S. Department of Labor. All right, our final front page story before we move on to the rest of the paper, new owners for Dubuque Bar. Chiropractic office opens Bellevue in owner to open chocolate shop and bakery. This story by Kaylee Reese. BizBuzz shares business tidbits from across the tri-state area. This edition highlights developments in Dubuque and Bellevue, Iowa. The story begins, a Dubuque bar is under new ownership. The South End Tap, located at 55 Locust Street, is now owned by Tom Bessler and Justin Rainey. The two took over ownership on Sunday from John own Sorge, who bought the bar in September 2019. The bar reopened as the South End Tap in 2018 after formerly being known as Murph's South End Tap. We're excited, Rainey said. The same group of people came in all the time. We have cheap drinks, lots of TVs for the sports fans, a lot of events. Both Bessler and Rainey have tended bar for years and started working at the South End Tap soon after Own Sorge took over the establishment. Bessler became a minority owner in 2021, and Rainey became another minority owner in 2022. The new owners plan to continue having karaoke on Thursdays 
and live music for, por for patrons to enjoy, as well as to keep using the bar's beloved popcorn machine. Nothing is really going to change much, Bessler said. It will be pretty much business as usual. Own Sorge said he plans to develop property on Central Avenue to take part in the plan to revitalize the roadway. Since owning the establishment, Own Sorge said there have been several challenges, including COVID-19 and the bar shutting down. The bar also sustained major damage in October of 2021 when allegedly intoxicated drivers slammed into one of its walls. But I love this bar, he said. I loved this bar before I bought it, and I wanted to see it do more. It was enjoyable coming here for years. The South End Tap is open at 3 p.m. on weekdays and 1 p.m. on weekends, though the bar typically opens at 11 a.m. on Saturday or Sunday if football games are on earlier in the day. The bar can be reached at 563-207-8028. New chiropractic office opens in Dubuque. A chiropractor has opened a new office in Dubuque. Katrina Cannavello opened home team chiropractic on December 19th at 2255 John F. Kennedy Road, Suite 300, near Anytime Fitness. The phrase, home court advantage, I wanted to bring that feeling into my office, Cannavello said. I want people to feel comfortable and know you have the home team advantage and that you are the priority. Cannavello, who went to Loris College, moved back to Dubuque in 2020 from Chicago and planned to open a chiropractic office then. However, once the COVID-19 pandemic began, she was unable to get her license in Iowa right away. She then worked at Be Rooted Chiropractic and Wellness in Benton, Wisconsin for a year and a half. It was always my plan to make the move to Dubuque, where the population base is I want to work with, she said. Cannavello specializes in the Gonstead system of chiropractic, where a chiropractor establishes exactly where the nerve dysfunction and issues are located before administering treatment. Cannavello said the system allows her to see a wide variety of patients, including babies and pregnant women. Her patients also can see her border collie, Guiana, when visiting the office. Guiana tends to frequent the office with me, she said with a laugh. She gets a lot of attention from people walking by. Well, home team chiropractic is open. From 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. weekdays, the office can be reached at 563-239-9797 and found online at hometeamchiropractic.com. Finally here, the Bellevue Inn owner opening chocolate shop and bakery. A Bellevue Inn owner plans to open a bakery and chocolate shop in the community. Chris Baker, who owns Montrest Inn, will open Field of Chocolate Dreams at 106 South Riverview Street, That'd be South Riverview Street next to Riverview Hotel. Baker plans to have a soft opening of the store before Valentine's Day. People currently can place phone orders for items being made in the Montrest kitchen as finishing touches are completed on the chocolate shop, which Baker said is being done in late Victorian French style. I've spent a lot of time renovating the store, and I'm pretty proud of what I've done, she said. This has been one of my most fun projects. I have loved helping bring downtown Bellevue to life. There has been a lot of energy in Bellevue in the last few years. Well, Baker started making chocolates in the early 1980s when she wanted good chocolate truffles in all of the guest rooms at Mont Rest. It was a natural progression of guests wanting to take a few home, and we would sell them to some to take home, she said. 
we got to the point of having quite a little chocolate business on top of the end business. Baker said she dedicated to open up the store after new store uh, the new store after meeting the store's baker and manager, Charity Starbuck, a Mont at Montrest several months ago. Starbuck also will be the new chef at Montrest. Field of Chocolate Dreams will sell homemade chocolates, caramels, toffee, flavored popcorn, pastries, fudge, and a selection of local wines. Plans call for it to be open seven days per week. The chocolate we make is gourmet chocolate for the American palate, she said. It's been a dream of mine to have a chocolate factory, my own Willy Wonka chocolate factory, and I wanted it to be Iowan. Field of Chocolate Dreams encompasses it all. Those interested in placing an order of with Field of Chocolate Dreams can make an appointment for pickup at 563-542-8550. More information and a contact form also can be found at fieldofchocolatedreams.com. Moving on now to more news in page 2A here of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald. News in brief. Dubuque man sentenced to jail for dragging man with vehicle. A Dubuque man recently was sentenced to 65 days in jail and two years of probation after he allegedly dragged another man with a vehicle. Jameer J. Jordan, age 33, was sentenced in Iowa District Court of Dubuque County after pleading guilty to assaulting, causing injury, assault causing injury and child endangerment. He initially was charged with assault while displaying a dangerous weapon but pleaded guilty to the amended charge. Jordan will receive credit for time already served in jail, according to the sentencing order from Associate Judge Mark Hostager. Court documents state that Jordan went to the Super 20 mobile home park in rural Dubuque on September 26 to talk to his ex-girlfriend. Jordan was in his vehicle and holding his ex-girlfriend's son when he and the woman started arguing. The woman told police that Jordan put his vehicle into reverse and drove backward quickly, causing the tires to squeal. He then drove forward quickly, causing the tires to squeal again. As the woman was attempting to catch the car, Jordan continued to drive back and forth, refusing to let the woman reach her child, who was still on Jordan's lap, the documents state. The woman's father arrived and attempted to get the child from Jordan. As the man reached the door and attempted to reopen it to retrieve the boy, Jordan accelerated at a high rate of speed, dragging the man down the road for approximately 50 yards, causing injury to the man's leg, documents state. Jordan then drove to the end of the road, stopped, and tossed the boy into the grass before taking off in the vehicle, documents state. Recycle unwanted holiday lights at three sites in Dubuque County. Yes, you can do this. Residents can dispose of unwanted holiday lights at three locations in Dubuque County. The lights can be deposited in marked containers through January 15th at... Outside the city of Dubuque Municipal Service Center at 925 Kerper Court, also at Carnegie Stout Public Library at 360 West 11th Street, and finally at Asbury Branch of the Dubuque County Library District at 5290 Grand Meadow Drive. A press release from the Dubuque Metropolitan Area Solid Waste Agency states that more than 8,000 pounds of lights have been recycled during the previous three years of the program. Unwanted holiday lights can be recycled year-round at the landfill. All other electronics can be disposed at the landfill by scheduled, by scheduled appointment. Call 563-557-8220 or visit dmaswa.org for more information. Country performer coming to Dubuque Casino in March. 
An up-and-coming country artist whose number one hit set a record for the longest run on the Billboard Country Airplay chart will perform in Dubuque in March. Travis Denning will take the stage at Q Casino's Q Showroom at 8 p.m. Saturday, March 25th, the venue announced Monday. A Georgia native, Denning is best known for his number one hit, After a Few, which reached the top of the country airplay charts in 2020. The song broke records for the longest time one song was on that chart. Well over a full year, and the longest time that a song was on the chart before reaching number one, at 65 weeks. Denning also has charted with his single David Ashley Parker from Powder Springs. Denning also opened for Cole Swindle, Alan Jackson, Lanco, L-A-N-C-O, and Riley Green. And Denning has had success as a songwriter, including helping write Michael Ray's hit, Her Word or Mine. Tickets for Denning's show are on sale now and start at $19. They can be bought at guest services in the casino or at qcasinoandhotel.com. Attendees must be at least 21 years old. And our final note here from the police. Dubuque Police and Dubuque County Sheriff's Departments reported Tamika M. Wilson, age 49, of 13180 Terrell Ridge Road, was arrested at 12.15 a.m. Monday in the area of Crestwood Drive and John F. Kennedy Road on charges of possession of cocaine and possession of marijuana. City staff exploring ways to boost female and minority entrepreneurs. Dubuque's participation in National League of Cities City Inclusive Entrepreneurship Program aims to identify gaps in support. This story by John Cruz. City of Dubuque officials are exploring ways it can better support female and minority entrepreneurs. As a participant in the National League of Cities Inclusive and Entrepreneurship Program, city officials will look at resources available to entrepreneurs such as budgeting assistance and strategic plan development with the intention of expanding those resources or improving their accessibility. Economic Development Directors Jill Connors said this week uh, she, the work will culminate in the city spending up to $15,000 provided by National League of Cities on an initiative to increase local entrepreneurship, which could take the form of a new city program or partnership with a local nonprofit organization. In 2021 in Iowa, women made up about 43.3% of business owners and 4.5% of businesses were owned by people of racial minorities, according to U.S. Small Business Administration Office of Advocacy. Connor said female and minority entrepreneurs continue to face many challenges in pursuit of their business endeavors. While the city has made efforts before to support these local business owners, its participation in the City Inclusive Entrepreneurship Program will help it identify where that support is falling out. We will make sure to identify where these gaps are and start to fill them, she said. What are entrepreneurs experiencing where they want help, either because it doesn't exist or because they don't know about it, she asked. Connor said there are services that communities should provide local entrepreneurs in order to stimulate their success, including assistance in writing, business plans, and financial planning assistance. As participants in the program, the City of Dubuque staff will work with the National League of Cities experts and coordinate with other cities participating in the program to identify resources that might be needed in Dubuque. Mayor Brad Kavanaugh said much of the city's participation the next few months will be learning from other cities what initiatives have been most successful elsewhere. We're going to learn what are best practices that cities are using, he said. 
By August, the city will present a plan to city council on developing new support systems for entrepreneurs in the community. Eric Dregney is the director of the Innovation Lab, which already provides entrepreneurship support in the area. He said he believes the city's participation in the program will pave the way for future partnerships to develop entrepreneurship support initiatives. We know that some needs are being met and some are not, he said. This is going to help us learn the best practices of other communities and then we can identify partners in the community who can help bring that support. And I didn't even realize it. We're way past the halfway point here in this reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald. Hope you're having a great afternoon, everyone, here on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. And that's what you're listening to. You're listening to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald. I'm your reader, Andrew Halp. I'm filling in. If you have any comments on this or any other IRIS program, feel free to give us a call at 515-243-6833. This is the halfway point notation. Now moving on to our obituaries to start off our second half of the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald. And we have quite a few here listed today. The first four, Patrick R. Sullivan, age 79, of Dubuque, Iowa. died. He died Friday, December 30th, 2022, at home peacefully in his sleep after dealing with dementia for many years. The massive Christian burial for Patrick will be at 11 a.m. Thursday, January 5th, as St. Colum Kills Catholic Church with Father Tom McDermott as the celebrant. Visitation will be from 9.30 a.m. until 10.45 a.m. at the church. Burial will be in the St. Andrew Cemetery in Tennyson, Wisconsin. The Miller Funeral Home of East Dubuque, Illinois, is serving the family. Patrick was born on June 16, 1943, at Mercy Hospital in Dubuque, Iowa, the son of Francis and Margarita Sent Sullivan. He attended East Dubuque High School, where he excelled in basketball, baseball, and football, graduating in 1961 as class valedictorian. He received a basketball scholarship from Loris College, which he attended for one year prior to enrolling and serving two years in the U.S. Army. On August 6, 1966, he married the love of his life, Judy Argus, at St. Mary's Church in Dubuque. They enjoyed over 56 years of marriage and were blessed with three sons. Patrick worked for Flex Steel Industries until his retirement. He was a passionate advocate for fast-pitch softball, which he spent 16 years playing as a catcher and 25 years as an administrator with the International Softball Congress at the state and national level. He played in a dozen ISC World Tournaments and was selected to the ISC All-World Tournament team as a catcher in 1969. He was inducted into the Iowa Fast Pitch Hall of Fame in 1992 and the International Softball Congress Hall of Fame in 1993. His life was guided by his strong faith, love of family, and friendships. He was a devoted husband and a mentor, coach, and role model for his three sons and nine grandchildren. He greatly enjoyed his retirement years as Papa. He always had fun golfing and playing euchre at Lacoma Golf Club. He and Judy loved their Tuesday nights at the Morocco with the Weitzels and especially all the times at the Shot Tower after Wallert basketball games, and his Miller Lite with a glass of ice. He is survived by his beloved wife, Judy Sullivan of Dubuque, three children, Joe married to Catherine Sullivan of St. Louis, Missouri, Dave married to Amy Sullivan of Denver, Colorado, 
and Mike Sullivan married to Julie Shaw of Dubuque. Nine grandchildren, Grace, Patrick, Emily, Claire of St. Louis, Joseph Ryan, Nicholas of Denver, and Leah Brooke Sullivan of Dubuque, and his siblings, Betty Plackey of Delavan, Wisconsin, Dan married to Arlene Sullivan of Iowa City, and Mike married to Joanne Sullivan of East Dubuque, Illinois, his sisters-in-law, Charlene Stevens of Verona, Wisconsin, and Joanne McGuire of Piasta, Iowa, numerous family and friends. He was preceded in death by his parents, his sisters-in-law, Nancy Patzner and Ruth Argus, and brothers-in-law, Robert McGuire and Dean Stevens. One note here, a special thanks to the Hospice of Dubuque, especially Ryan, Sarah, and Amber for your wonderful support. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made to Hospice of Dubuque or the Sister Water Project at Mount St. Francis. Online condolences may be left for the family at www.millerfhed.com. Next up, we have William G. Bell of Mount Ayer, Iowa. William Bill Gilbert Bell, age 86, of Mount Ayer, passed away Thursday, December 29, 2022, at Mercy Hospital in Des Moines. Visitation for family and friends will be 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Saturday, January 7, 2023, at Boehner Funeral Home. The funeral service will start at 11 a.m. with Pastor John Kermit officiating. Burial will follow the service at Evergreen Cemetery in Fairfield. Memorials may be made to the Wounded Warriors Fund or Soteria Baptist Church in Des Moines and mailed to Daniel Bell, 9500 Woodland Drive, Johnston, Iowa, 50131. Bill was born November 17, 1936 in Kilbourne to John and Gretchen Lyons Bell. He married Betty Ellen Ford in Ottumwa, Iowa on December 22, 1956. They just celebrated 66 years of marriage. Bill was a welder for John Deere for many years. He was a big Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, and Iowa Hawkeye fan, but not a Kirk Ferentz fan. Bill took great pride in keeping his yard mowed and red vehicles cleaned. Some of his other interests were watching NCIS, westerns, and listening to Jan and Dean music. Bill was a member of the United Auto Workers, UAW, and Knights of Columbus. Most important was spending time with his family and following his children and grandchildren's activities. He will be missed by his wife, Betty Bell, his children, Laura Bergfeld, Robert Bell, married to Sandra Bell, William Andrew Bell, Angela Gibbs, John Bell, David Bell, Daniel Bell, married to Tiffany Bell, Aaron Bell, 14 grandchildren, Jeremy Bergfeld, Sarah Bergfeld, married to Patrick Johnson, Stacy Bergfeld, Brandon Gibbs, married to Callista Gibbs, Valerie Nutter, married to Zach Nutter, Matthew Bell, Michael Bell, Colin Bell, Carter Bell, Cameron Barrage, Alexander Bell, Madeline Bell, William Walker Bell, and Celeste Lewis. Bill was preceded in death by his parents, John and Gretchen, brother Jack married to Gailey Collins Bell, and sister Norma Jean married to Richard Tulis. Online condolences may be made to the family at Bainer, B-E-H-N-E-R-F-H dot com. From there, we go to Marvel J. Heim of Cascade, Iowa. Marvel, that name is spelled M-A-R-V-E-L. Marvel J. Heim, uh, age 70, of Cascade, died on Sunday, January 1st, 2023. 
Visitation will be held from 3 to 7 p.m. Friday, January 6th at Rife Funeral Home in Cascade. Services will take place at 10.30 a.m. Saturday, January 7th at St. Peter's Catholic Church in Temple Hill. Burial will be in the church cemetery. From there we go to Karen E. Clemens of Piasta, Iowa. Karen Elaine Clemens, age 84, passed away peacefully at home surrounded by her loving family on December 31, 2022. Visitation will be held at the Reef Funeral Home in Piasta from 4 to 7 p.m. on Wednesday, January 4th. Friends may also call from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. on January 5th at the funeral home. A mass of Christian burial will be held at St. John's Catholic Church in Piasta at 11 a.m. on Thursday, January 5th. A private burial will be held on in Mount Olivet, Mount Olivet Cemetery at a later date. Karen was born on November 24, 1938 in Dubuque, Iowa, daughter of Art and Emma Bast. Karen graduated from senior high school. She was united in marriage to Dave Clemens on January 29, 1966. She was a Navy wife for a few years until they moved back to Dubuque to raise their family of four children. She had an eye for style, which led her to share her talent working in retail. She also was a meticulous budgeter, which sometimes left her balancing her checkbook for days trying to reconcile a penny. This served her well during her time working at Health Services Credit Union. Her most important career was being the best wife, mom, grandmother, and daughter anyone could hope for. Karen enjoyed many hobbies. Golf was one of her favorites. She accomplished two hole-in-ones and loved to boast about it, much of the, to the envy of her son. Christmas was a favorite holiday of Karen's. She even created her own Karen's favorite things for her family on Christmas morning. Karen never minded a quick trip to a casino and usually had great luck. She was usually a winner at any raffle that she entered. Anyone who knew Karen knew her talent for telling stories, and she often added her own little embellishment to it for entertaining purposes, which her family loved to tease her about. She also very much enjoyed her own sense of humor, much to the delight of all who knew her. Her favorite time, though, was spent with her family, especially at the family Sunday night dinner tradition. Karen is survived by her loving husband, Dave, four children, Jennifer married to Dan Clemens Conlon, Kevin married to Kelly Clemens, Kristen married to Jamie Klusner, all of Piasta, and Lisa married to Tom Berger of Epworth. Missing her also will be six grandchildren, Jack, Leo, and Emma Clemens, and Ella, Hannah, and Hayden Klusner, and her loyal dog, Vinny, who never left her side in the, her last hours. One of the most often words used when descri describing Karen was classy. She was preceded in death by her parents, her in-laws, Leo and Gertrude Clemens, and a sister-in-law, Leanne Cox. A Karen Clemens Memorial Fund has been established and will be distributed among Karen's favorite organizations. The family would like to thank the Epworth Fire Department for helping her achieve her goal of coming home, Hospice of Dubuque, the Mercy One medical staff, especially the third floor staff, Respiratory Therapist Dr. James and Dr. Lamar. From there we move to Bridget A. Slattery. From Elizabeth, Illinois, Bridget Agnes Slattery, maiden name Bernie, B-Y-R-N-E. Of Elizabeth, Illinois, passed away peacefully on December 27, 2022 at her home, surrounded by her family. A private service will be held at St. Mary's Church in Elizabeth, Illinois. Bridget was born January 26, 1937 in Carrownalt County, County Mayo, Ireland. Fondly known as Aggie by her family, 
She was the youngest of five children born to Thomas and Delia Burney, Nee McNicholas. She came to the U.S. in 1957, where she lived and worked in many states, finally settling in Chicago, where she met the love of her life, James P. Slattery, who preceded her in his final journey on June 30, 2011, after 46 years of marriage. She was a lively spirit to be reckoned with. Her sense of humor and lightheartedness carried us through the good times and bad. Her spirit and humor will live on in the hearts of her family. Patrick J. Burney, Genevieve married to Joseph O'Rourke, Patrick and Bridget Nazik, Brian married to Yane Slattery, Sheila married to Wayne Ordmeyer, Trevor Ruback, Keenan and Liam Ortmeyer, and her buddy Blarney. She was preceded in death by her brothers, Martin and John Burney, and her sister, Frances Evans. The family wishes to thank Dr. Wells, all the nurses, and Dr. Johnson at Finley Hospital, and all the caring nurses and aides from Hospice of Dubuque for the compassion and love they showed our mother and friend. In lieu of flowers, the family requests donations be made to Hospice of Dubuque or Freeport in our mother's name. That'd be for Bridget A. Slattery. Bridget A. Slattery, B-R-I-D-G-E-T, A. Slattery, S-L-A-T-T-E-R-Y. There we go to Leroy G. Abrish, age 91 of Dubuque, Iowa, passed away on December 31st, 2022 at Ennoble Skilled Nursing and Rehabilitation Center. A mass of Christian burial will be held at 10.30 a.m. on Thursday, January 5th, 2023 at St. Catherine's Catholic Church located at 5213 St. Catherine Road with the Father David Ambrosie officiating. Friends and family may visit from 4 to 7 p.m. on Wednesday, January 4th, 2023 at Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, located at 2595 Rockdale Road, and also on Thursday from 9.30 a.m. until the start of Mass at the church. Burial will take place at St. Catherine's Church Cemetery. Leroy was born May 15, 1931 in Dubuque, Iowa, son of George and Iva Cook Abrish. He attended schooling schooling until the 8th grade at Franklin School in Dubuque. He married the love of his life, Edna Wallenhorst, on October 29, 1960 at Immaculate Conception Church in Kyler, Wisconsin. Leroy was first employed at Dubuque Packing Company, then at Cellotex Corporation as a heavy equipment operator for approximately 25 years, and at Mount St. Francis as a boiler operator. He was a member of the St. Catharines Parish since 1961 and volunteered for many parish activities and dinners. He was an avid fisherman who loved enjoying the outdoors. He loved to camp and cut trees for his own firewood. Leroy also enjoyed gardening, traveling, and loved his cats. Leroy is survived by his children, Deanna married to Andy Tompkins, Tim Abrish, William married to D.M. Abrish, Steve Abrish, and Sarah Bartella. Grandchildren, Matt, Denny, Stormy, Jessica, Sarah, Danny, Jonathan, Adam, Billy, Joe, Danny, Aran, his many great-grandchildren who all made him proud, brothers Pat and Dan, Ebrish, and many sisters-in-law. He was preceded in death by his wife, Edna, parents, George and Iva, grandson, Steve Tompkins, granddaughter, Michelle Abrish, and many siblings. In lieu of flowers, memorials may be directed to the Leroy Abrish family. Thank you to Hospice of Dubuque and Ennoble for providing for Leroy and keeping him comfortable during his last days. From there, we go to William F. Cody of Galena, Illinois, 
William F. Cody, last name spelled C-O-T-Y, age 86, of Galena and formerly of Chicago, Illinois, passed away Thursday, December 29th, 2022, at his home. A funeral service will be held at 11 a.m. Thursday, January 5th, 2023, at the Furlong Funeral Chapel of Galena. Friends may call from 4 to 7 p.m. Wednesday, January 4th, at the Furlong Funeral Chapel. Burial will be in the St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery in Galena. Military honors will be accorded graveside by VFW Post number 2665 and American Legion Post number 193 of Galena. He was born January 31st, January 31st, 1936 in Chicago, Illinois, the son of John and Mary Cody. Bill attended Our Lady of Sorrows Grammar School and graduated from St. Mel's High School, both in Chicago. Following graduation, he was drafted and served in the United States Army until his honorable discharge. He was united in marriage to Margaret M. Polzin on May 6, 1967 at St. Robert Bellemeyer Parish in Chicago, and she preceded him in death on February 28, 2011. Bill served as a Chicago police officer until his retirement. He loved Western movies and his pets. Bill was an avid Chicago Cubs and Bears fan. His children survive him, Michael Cody, Angela Cody, and Lou married to Amy Cody. Three grandchildren, Brandon, Logan, and Jenna Cody, and his beloved companion, Buffy, also known as Fluffy. Bill was preceded in death by his parents and his wife. A special thank you goes out to Bill's special McDonald's Club, Dr. Van Digo Midwest Medical Center, the incredible people at Hospice of Dubuque, and amazing caregivers Amy Hendricks and Margot Pink. Bill Cody will be missed forever, but we know he will live in the hearts of those who knew and loved him. With warm regards, the Cody family writes that. The family request donations are made to Hospice of Dubuque, St. Jude's, or the Dubuque Humane Society in memory of Bill. Online condolences may be left for the family at www.furlongfuneralchapel.com. From there we go to Denise A. McKenzie of Potosi, Wisconsin. Denise A. maiden name Kyler. That last name is spelled K-I-E-L-E-R. Denise A. Kyler McKenzie is her married name. Age 67 of Potosi, Wisconsin. Died on December 30th, 2022 at Finley Unity Point Health. According to her wishes, there will be no public visitation or service. The Melby Funeral Home and Crematory of Platteville is serving the family. Online condolences may be made at www.melbyfh.com. Denise is survived by her husband, Ed McKenzie. Four siblings, Diane married to Dave Konshak of Cuba City, Wisconsin. Donna married to Tom Digman of Hazel Green, Wisconsin. Dina married to Jay Oldenhofen of Potosi, Wisconsin. Rod married to Sheila Kyler of Dubuque, Iowa. Godson and nephew Christopher. Nieces Kelly and Caitlin and nephews Jared, Scott, Matt, and Colin. She was preceded in death by her parents, Floyd and Ellen, maiden name Cohn, K-O-H-N, Kyler, and three brothers, Richard, married to Dana, Roger, and Roy Kyler. Denise was united in marriage to Ed on December 5, 2014. She attended Potosi High School and loved softball, which continued to uh, a number of years. She retired from Mercy Medical Center in Dubuque after 36 years. Denise loved the outdoors, especially if she had a fishing pole in her hand and often went north for her favorite spots. She loved her trip to Alaska to experience a whole different type of nature. She served as chairman for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Dubuque Chapter. 
She enjoyed needlework and was always up for a game of cards or bingo. Her family and friends were the most important things in her life. She was described as a very generous person, always willing to lend a hand, planning get-togethers, and having a good laugh. She was a special lady who touched many lives and will be immediately missed. From there, we go to Vicki L. Waracek of Platteville, Wisconsin. Vicki L. Waracek, age 70, of Platteville, Wisconsin, died Tuesday, December 13, 2022, at home. Memorial services will be at 1 p.m. on Saturday, January 7, 2023, at the Melby Funeral Home and Crematory in Platteville, Wisconsin. Deacon Bill Busson will officiate. Private family burial will be at the Calvary Cemetery of Platteville. Visitation will be from 11 a.m. until the time of the service. Online condolences can be made at www.melbyfh.com. Vicki was born October 15, 1952, the daughter of Robert and Isla Bell Storis Heinrichs. She graduated from Platteville High School in 1970. Vicki was united in marriage to Michael Waracek on February 9, 1974 at the St. Mary's Catholic Church in Platteville, Wisconsin. She worked as a CNA at the Platteville Hospital. Vicki and Mike spent many weekends at their cabin in Prairie du Chien, where she went fishing and enjoyed spending time together. Vicki is survived by her husband, Michael, daughter-in-law, Leanne Waracek, and grandsons, Jack and Michael Waracek. She was preceded in death by their son, Tony Waracek, and her parents. And we are running very close on time here. I may not be able to get to all of these. We also have a funeral announcement for, or obituary, for Nancy J. Rice of Epworth. Nancy Jean Rice, age 77, of Epworth, died Friday, December 20th, 2022, at the Unity Point Health Finley Hospital in Dubuque. Visitation will be from 4 to 6, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Monday, January 2nd, 2023, at the Hoffman Schneider and Kitchen Funeral Home and Crematory. Nancy was born April 28th, 1945, in Dubuque, Iowa, the daughter of Robert W. and Violet H. Schweitzer Simon. On May 22, 1965, she married James Philip Rice Jr. in Dubuque. He died August 24, 2005. Next up, we have Nicole L. Kohler of Hempstead, North Carolina, formerly of Potosi, Wisconsin. She passed away on Thursday, December 29th as a result of complications from diabetes. A celebration of life will be held at a later date. In honor of Nikki's Giving Nature, donations can be made to the National Kidney Foundation, American Heart Association, or your local Humane Society. Eloise Hinderman of Keeler, Wisconsin. Eloise Hinderman, age 93 of Keeler, died on Saturday, December 31st, 2022. Visitation will be held from 9 to 11 a.m. Thursday, January 5th at Immaculate Conception Parish Center in Keeler, where a massive Christian burial will follow at the church. Burial will be in the church cemetery. Carrie Herzog of Gutenberg, Iowa, age 64, died Saturday, December 31st. Visitation will be held from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturday, January 7th, at the Tuckeye or Tukey Allen Funeral Home in Guttenberg. Catherine A. Parks of Savannah, Illinois, age 79, died on Thursday, December 29th. Visitation will be held from 4 to 6 p.m. Friday, January 6th, at Law Jones Funeral Home in Savannah, where services will follow. Donald A. Zirip Jr. of Savannah, Illinois, age 66, died on Tuesday, December 27th. A celebration of life will take place from noon to 4 p.m. Saturday at Ridge Runners, 800 Main Street in Savannah. The Law Jones Funeral Home of Savannah is assisting the family. Shirley A. Waterman of Colesburg, Iowa, age 83, died on Sunday, January 1st. Visitation will be held from 2 to 6 p.m. Sunday, January 8th at the Leonard Muller Funeral Home in Edgewood. Services will take place 
at 10.30 a.m. Monday, January 9th at St. Patrick's Catholic Church in Colesburg. Burial will be in the church cemetery. And then finally here we have Thomas Jans of Elizabeth, Illinois, 75, died on Saturday, December 31st, 2022. Arrangements are pending. The Furlong Funeral Chapel of Galena is assisting the family. Those are your obituaries. We did have two births listed. We had Justin and Nadia Alba of Dubuque, had a little girl at Unity Point Health Finley Hospital on Thursday, December 29th. And on Saturday, December 31st, Jonathan Irvin and Kayla Carroll of Dubuque had a boy at Finley Hospital. And uh, that's all the time we have for this reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald. I'm your reader, Andrew Haupt, filling in. Thank you for sharing your time with Iris. We appreciate your listenership. Have a great day, everyone. Take it easy. Be careful in the weather. Thanks for listening and straight ahead. Mm-hmm.